Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. We have a ton of things to talk about today. Some good, some bad. But, hey, you know what? We're going to dive into everything. It's 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, if you want to be part of the show. Facebook and Twitter, Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, iHeart, iTunes Radio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates, SportsGarden.com, SportsGarden over on SoundCloud, anywhere you want to join us, please be a part of the show. So let's talk about the Corona update, and it's something that we get into every single show uh, early on. This time, and I have for weeks been giving you good news, this time amid all of the good that's coming, we have Belmont tomorrow, we have, we have things going on that are going to be fantastic. Uh, we're looking at the NBA, but all of a sudden, we have some negative. And we have some negative with Dr. Fauci. He turns around, and he has the mic again. And earlier in the week, he turned around and he said, well, Major League Baseball should not play into October. Now, a lot of people didn't really make this a major comment. A lot of people kind of brush this aside. Uh, but you have to wonder, did this have any impact on the negotiations at hand? And negotiations that we're looking at at hand are in a bad spot for Major League Baseball, which we'll get into in a moment. You wonder if that had any impact at all. This wasn't a prompted question. He basically just came out here and said this on his own. All right, well, that's one thing. Then he said this the last couple of days, that he doesn't believe the NFL or college football should play unless they obtain a bubble-like situation like the NBA is playing. Now, I've heard from two different sides of this, and I've heard from the NFL side where players and owners are basically just not taking him serious at this point. At this point, remember, this is the same man, whether you stand on this one side politically or the other side, it's not a political thing. This is the same man that told us, you have to wear masks. Oh, no, wait, you don't need masks. This is the same guy that said, well, you know what? You got to be careful. Wash your hands. Purell constantly because it lives on surfaces. And then said, oh, oh, by the way, it doesn't live on surfaces. And then this is the same man that has flip-flops on a number of things. And Does sunlight kill it? Does it not kill it? Does heat kill kill the the disease does it not does he expect a second wave well we're not sure so there are a lot of NFL players and owners that are really just ignoring the advice at this point and saying yeah this shouldn't be an impact but there are also a handful of people that I've spoken to that are close with the situation that are management that are players that are very concerned that are concerned that, yeah, there will be a second wave. We won't know right away. I think September is going to be a safe time to get this amped up, to get this rolling. I think September will be safe. But everyone seems to be worried about October and mostly into November. Well, that's the NFL, guys. That's college football. You know, in college football, just this week, they announced that Texas Longhorn players, 15 of them already have some form of coronavirus. You know, now, now you get into a situation where it's no longer about football, right? You get into a situation where my son is going to have to go out there and play. My son is going to have to go out there and be put into danger. Well, now, if he somehow or another contracts the virus, do I get a chance to sue the school? 
can I sue the coaching staff? Can I sue the athletic director? I mean, this is the weird tunnel that we're going down. So when you hear things like this and you, we can brush it aside and say, Dr. Fauci, well, oh, what, what does he know? I mean, this guy has been flip-flopping the entire time. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. we could flip-flop. You could do that in your regular life, sure. But when it comes to potential lawsuits, when it comes to things like that, I tend to take this serious and, and uh, it is a little bit of bad news. Hopefully, it's just a, a guy being a little overcautious that sees it in his field. Speaking of bad news, let's talk a little bit about Major League Baseball. And before I dive in fully and take a side, let's just give some of the facts. Major League Baseball is trying to say, and the baseball owners are trying to say they're worried about money, they're worried about money. And, and let me just give you the facts of this, and because the facts are very important to know going into the conversation. Going into the conversation right now, Major League Baseball literally signed a billion-dollar TV deal last week. Literally, a billion dollars, pen to paper, last week. 30% of revenue comes from tickets. That's it, 30%. And attendance have, has been dropping uh, like in every sport because of social media, because people like to watch it online. Major League Baseball, despite no billion-dollar TV deal last year, Major League Baseball, despite falling ticket prices, Major League Baseball, despite falling attendance, still made a record $10.7 billion in revenue last year. So I think it's very important to understand where we're coming with this. How are we going about knowing, uh, you know, one end from the other? So now let's get into the negotiations. And where do we stand with the negotiations? Meaning, will we have Major League Baseball? And it's getting... It's getting a little bit iffy out there. You know, Major League Baseball is in a position where you have two different sides. Now, I have stuck up for the players most of this conversation. Most of the conversation over the last couple of weeks, I have stuck up for the players, and I understand. Nobody wants to play for 33% of their salary. Nobody wants to go out there and risk their, their careers. And Major League Baseball players are saying, we want more games. So how do you vilify them saying, we want more we want to play more. We want to give more to the fans. It's very difficult to take the stance that the players are in a bad spot when you're telling them we want more. But this latest go-around has me now favoring the owners a little bit. Major League Baseball players came out, and what did they do? The players came out, and all on Twitter, from Mike Trout to just about every big name, Christian Yelich and whatnot, came out. Uh, Mike Trout famously said, tell us where to play and when to play and will be there. Well, not so true, Mike Trout. Not so true. Major League Baseball and Tony Clark, who is the head of the Players Union, have been negotiating and negotiating and negotiating. Now, Manfred basically said, we are negotiating. We're coming to a conclusion. He left the room. Now, these are two people. Let's not mince words. They don't like each other. They do not like each other at all. And Manfred left the room and said, you know, we're making headway. The feeling in the room was that things were going the right way. And Rob Manfred left that room thinking, we have a deal. You know, we went back and forth. We agreed on terms. We have a deal in place. And things are really good. Well, you asked Tony Clark about that. Head of the Major League Baseball Players Union, yes, Tony Clark, and Tony Clark's position is, we don't have a deal. What are you talking about? We don't have a deal at all. We have your initial proposal. And Major League Baseball 
gave their proposal, and their proposal uh, was closer to 60 games is what we're hearing. Uh, They're basically looking at 60 games. They're looking at uh, prorated data. They're using the media very well. John Heyman came out, and he was giving all of the the almost play-by-play on the negotiations. Major League Baseball's main goal remains to be to reach an agreement with the players, but Manfred has continued to talk to owners. Manfred said we're committed to doing whatever is necessary to play. Uh, this is the things that John Heyman was using. Now, nothing against John Heyman, I think does a wonderful job, but you got the sense that things were going well. Well, John Heyman puts this out, and the players are now attacking John Heyman. Marco Gonzalez said, basically, what are you talking about? Well, what what are you talking about? None of this was done. None of this is a deal. Major League players then got the counter proposal, which they already thought was a basically a done deal. They got a counter proposal from the Major League Baseball Players Association, and that was closer to seventy games. Uh, Manfred told Clark that that. That was simply impossible due to the second wave fears. They would not do, would not do 70 games in any way, shape, or form. So when you talk, start talking about the COVID cases uh, in Texas, Arizona, Florida that have gone up, and no matter what DeSantis says um, about Florida saying, well, you know what, there's just more testing, the, the numbers are, it's a battling point. Okay, it's just a battling point point. It is the way that it is. But what we're looking at right now in the totality of all this, they've come to an agreement on the major issues. And we're really looking at the Major League Baseball Players Association saying we want 70 games. Major League Baseball itself saying we want 50 to 60 games. And they're arguing over what is basically Steven Strasburg's contract. That's what we're doing. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, what are they what are they talking about? Get this done. Get this done. Tony Clark, uh, you know, is kicking and screaming and said the owners are spoiled brats. He didn't say this, but this is basically what his sentiment is. This the owners are spoiled brats. They will run down the clock. The owners are kicking and screaming and fighting about about 10 games, really. And if you really think about it, you know, they could probably come in the middle. But the owners are steadfast to just delay, 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 and then have a guy come out and say, well, you got to be careful not to play in October. I mean, that's what we're looking at. And there's players, on the other hand. What about the players? Are they spoiled brats? Sure. They, they could earn no money this year unless they get their way. I mean, this is what we're looking at where you turn around and you, you say, guys, we're this close. We are this close. You have to get this done. And I think that Major League Baseball at this point will get something done. I really do. I still believe that. I don't think you can be this close and not get a deal done. But guys, every day that goes on, I heard this week dates. I heard July 19th would be opening day, for lack of a better word. Okay? It would be opening day. They're going to play about 60 games. This is where we were just a couple of days ago. I started to hear opening day dates. 
for late July. Well, that was like four or five days ago. Okay, and you start looking at the clock and you start to take a look and you say, what is conceivably a normal time that we could actually get this done? Well, guys, even if they got a deal done this weekend, even if it came to that spring training probably wouldn't start until let's just say the 24th. 24th is when wave three or, or, or phase three in New York opens up. So we'll say 24th, and that's an aggressive day. So let's just say it's June 24th is the next time that this is all going to kind of start. People start spring training. Well, you need at least three weeks spring training. Okay? At least three weeks spring training brings us to July 16th or so. They could conceivably open up eh, July 19th or 20th. That table and that number is still impacted. But when you're doing that, you're going into November. So anytime, if they don't get this done, essentially this weekend, if they don't get things done, essentially this weekend, you're now looking at, forget about the 19th or the 20th. Now they're going to push it to the next week. And now you're going to push it until the 27th or so. And folks, all of a sudden, you're definitely going into November. You're going into November where, oh, by the way, just remember about 15 minutes ago when I came out here and I said, the NFL is now worried. Oh, by the way, college football is now worried. Oh, by the way, they're getting into that dangerous position where everything is magically, potentially going to come storming back. And Major League Baseball has an argumentative point, don't they? Major League Baseball has a point to argue and say, you know what? We're going to cancel the season. And I will tell you this from people that I absolutely know, know very well the owner's position. There are owners out there that want no season. They do not want a year at all for the purposes of a big business to claim a disaster sort of situation here actually benefits them to not have a season. And this is not a rumor. This is reality. And when I tell you about reality, listen to me and listen to me very carefully. They, this is based in such reality that the Pittsburgh Pirates owner came out and said, basically, he's aware of it. He is aware of what's happening. But he wanted to make it very clear. I'm not one of those owners. So it was speculation and it was potential and it was, uh-oh, what are we talking about? It was our owners really there. Pittsburgh Pirates owner came out and said, basically, yeah, there are owners that don't want a season. I'm just not one of them. Now, we've heard St. Louis is one of those teams. It, we're, we're talking about we not only know that there are owners out there that are saying this, we're even narrowing it down to which owners are saying it. I'm not sure how much they benefit for as far as insurance goes, but you have to assume that there's an insurance clause that kicks in if there is a natural disaster that ends their season. You have to assume that. They don't have to pay the stadium situation. You don't have to pay those workers. And that's really who's getting hurt the most. Look, in the middle of these negotiations where the players are begging for their millions and the owners are playing for their billions, you know, Joe who sells peanuts and, and you know, Johnny who parks cars out there, well, what, well, they don't have a job. 
They don't have a job at all. And they've been sitting around waiting to come back to work. This impacts a lot of places. And in the long run, yeah, Major League Baseball is going to have some hiccups down the line. Major League Baseball is going to have a really difficult time sitting at the table together and having a conversation in a year or two. This is going to be a problem. But in the long run, guys, the people that are going to be hurt, you're going to lose fans. You've already lost fans. People are walking away from the game. Okay? And we're a betting show here. Guys, the least bet sport is Major League Baseball. Now, I tell you all the time you can make the most money on it, and I do all the time. Okay? But... People don't bet on Major League Baseball, so you're not going to get the drawback from the betters who just kind of need this. No. What's going to happen? Oh, wait a minute. Major League Baseball. I was a baseball fan, but you didn't give us baseball. Maybe I'll turn around and watch this NBA playoffs. Maybe I'll turn around and I'll watch these NHL playoffs. Maybe I'll just I'll devote all of my attention to college football and pro football. Guys, Major League Baseball is in a bad spot here. They had an opportunity to have... Sports starved fans drooling at chomping at the bit since we're in Belmont talk chomping at the bit to let's get this going and they would have had a captive audience alone by themselves now at best at best they'll have about a week of baseball before the NBA kicks in ladies and gentlemen they have lost even if we get baseball this year, this is detrimental on a massive level. All right, I'm putting the bad behind us. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about Belmont. I have a lot of NBA news and a lot of good NBA news and a little bit of NFL news where a premier player wants to be traded. We'll talk about all that more right after this on Wagering Week. Now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I bet you 20 bucks I can get the gamble before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? That's right. The 2020 Belmont Stakes is this weekend. And I have the odds with post positions. So we'll start with post position number one. Tap it to win is sitting here as a five to six. You have Sol Volante is nine to two. Max Player is 15 to one. Modernist 15 to one. Framington Road 15 to one. Four left 30 to one. Jungle Runner 30 to one. Tis the Law six to five is the favorite. Dr. Post is five to one. And Phenomic is eight to to one that is the post positions and that is what are the odds now the belmont as we know is normally the third race is normally the longest race the belmont stakes is the finalization of the racing season it is the cherry on top it is usually looking at a triple crown none of that is the case here you don't have long layoffs okay you have a shorter track. You're not going to have fans in the stands. And this is the first race. So when you're looking at these odds, look at them in a different mindset than every other year. I have an updated forecast here. Updated forecast, 40% chance of showers at Belmont. Now, oftentimes, oftentimes Belmont is a rainout, okay? Now, that means that they're still going to run, okay? Uh, but there's the old Seinfeld clip. You know, his mutter was a mutter, right? You got to look for the mutters, potentially with 40% chance of rain. You have that there. Thunderstorms afternoon. Well, 
that that would bring us to right about where we uh, we are here. Five forty-two is the opening gate. Um, southwest winds six to eleven miles per hour. Let's look at the big guys. I've given you guys winners in the past. Uh, just last year, I gave you a winner last year, and then two years ago, I really crushed it. So let's talk about the big guy. And tis the law is the big guy. He is the easy favorite. Okay, I, I mean easily. Everyone has jumped on his back, and it's kind of happened recently now. Remember, horse racing never ended, really, with the problems. They've been racing, so you have a little bit of an idea. He has a four-length victory in the Grade 1 Champagne Stakes last fall. He's the son of Sire Constitution, who won the Grade 3 Holy Bull, Grade 1 Florida Derby in impressive fashion, the Gulfstream Park this year. This is should be his next step. This is the culmination of a great career. Okay, that's where he likes. He likes to sit just off the pace. He likes to hang close, hang close, hang close, and then boom, explode at the end and absolutely take it. Tis the Law is easily the favorite, and I don't think many people are doubting that he should be the absolute favorite in this field. But there are really bad odds on him. I mean, six to five, you're getting nothing here. So I go through the field, and and just my quick take on some of the runners here. Tap it to win, six to one odds. Uh, Velasquez is a really good jockey. I don't love the six to one odds. If he was more nine to one, ten to one, I might want to take kind of a stab on him. I know everyone's into Sol Volante uh, at 9-2. to two. Suddenly, he's rising up the board. You probably, by the time you listen to this, it won't even be 9-2. to two. He'll continue to get some money. I, I, I don't love his pedigree. I don't like where he's coming from. Going up against the ones that kind of, they set the pace. And I don't think he's that. Max Player at 15-1 to one is an interesting bet. And Max Player at 15-1 to one is someone I, I, I do look at and I say, if you're going for a long shot, Max Player is my guy. He's young, so he doesn't really have the experience. Well, they're all about the same age, but you know what I mean. He's young, meaning a young racer. He doesn't really have the experience. Modernist, 15 to 1. Farmington Road, 15 to 1. Four left, 30 to 1. Jungle Run, 30, uh, 50 to 1. I didn't give a lot of thought to any of them. They don't have the pedigree. It looks like they're kind of there to fill the field. Phenomic, uh, 8 to 1. Ricardo Santana Jr., is a good jockey, and that could help, but I think the field is a little too stacked. And then you have the guy that I will absolutely be throwing a couple bucks on, and that's Dr. Post. I know that going against Tis the Law seems like a bad play, but if you're going to do something, potentially throw in Dr. Post. Throw him in in a trifecta if you want. Throw him in to win play show if you'd like. I think he's a horse that can give this a good run, right? He's Got the delay, which actually helps him. He hasn't raced a lot. He only has three career starts, so he really is new to this. But he returned in March and won both of his starts at Gulfstream Park. So he's a winner. I know he doesn't have a long resume, but the resume is winning. Okay? That's what he's doing. And if you believe in the idea that a horse can get better from race to race to race, well, this is your guy. This is your horse. So at 5-1 to one odds, I was hoping for a little bit more. 5-1 to one odds, I was hoping that I could get something more along the lines of 8-1, to one, you know, 7-1. to one. But 5-1 to one odds, maybe that means that the insiders that I am talking to are also moving the needle. 
So, Tizalaw, look, he is the guy. It's hard for me to tell you to go against him. But as I do in a lot of sports, I tell you guys, it's purely about value. I won't put any money on him, even if I think he's going to win, because the odds are just so absolutely ridiculous. So I'll throw a little bit of money on Max at 15 to 1. And I'm going to throw some money on Dr. Post. I'll take Dr. Post at 5 to 1. That'll be my pick. And uh, hopefully you guys can make some money off of that. All right. Let's turn the page and go to the NBA. <sighs> Turning the page is a little difficult with the NBA because the NBA put out a 113-page health and safety manual. I read it so you don't have to, okay? And remember, a lot of this is kind of, uh, you know, it's background noise. But some of it is important when you're sitting back and you're talking about how the mindset of the players are, how, how the health of the players will be, how this will come down the tube when you're talking about how do I bet. So just a couple of things from it. Um, well, the players are going to wear a ring. It is a futuristic looking ring. It, it, it really is just like a white ring. I wear a, a wedding ring that is like a piece of rubber because, <laughs> you know, I'm always scratching and nipping things up. This is what it is. But on the inside, it has a tracking device. It also has not only a tracking device, it has a device inside of it where it will take their temperature. It will find signs of corona or COVID or Wuhan, whatever we're calling it today. It will find signs of the coronavirus three days before the test would be able to find it. So they're all going to be kind of, uh, I guess, robotically in charge here, right? So they're all going to have to wear this. On top of that, there will be enhanced, enhanced testing. Enhanced testing is one thing, but they're using this magic bands as kind of a, a testing. Not only are the magic bands, and we're calling them magic bands because it's coming from Disney, not only are the magic bands, uh, the ring there, they also have to wear a band on their arm. The band on their arm is going to function much like it does at Disney. Anybody that's been down to Disney you know what it does. It's room key. It's your security checkpoint, and it's going to be coronavirus testing check-ins. So all of the data for every player will be on these magic bands. Now, if you do not comply, oh, by the way, there are some strict penalties. Deep nasal swab. It literally says deep nasal swab. That should be enough to keep everybody away. Uh, how about reduction in compensation for games missed and a 10 to 14 game quarantine? This is what we're doing here. Okay, let's talk about more. The NBA will have two rows on the bench. The first row, players and coaches. No mask required, but recommended that coaches wear masks. I'm going to be really interested to see what coach wears a mask screaming the entire time. Second row, other players and coaches must wear a mask at all time unless it's an active player. So the rules are, are generally pretty simple for what we're doing. The problem is this, is that inside the Orlando bubble, a lot of, of these restrictions are absolutely in place. Don't kid yourself that these restrictions are in place, and a lot of these players are iffy about it. Now, you look at one side of it. In the Orlando bubble, players-only lounge, NBA 2K, TVs, gaming, pool, trails, barbers, manicures, pedicures, 24-hour VIP service, daily entertainment, movie screenings, DJs, video games, ping pong, lawn games. Players can attend other games. Okay? This is 
just fantastic. Every team has 35 persons that are allowed to travel, traveling party athletic director, strength and conditioning coach, independent athletic directors, equipment managers, team security officials. Oh, this is great. Each team can include private personal massage therapist and security. Wow. Some of it's great. Some of it is also you're not allowed to leave the bubble. I mean, that's just reality. Okay, these NBA players are not like most of us. They're used to living a very, very, very extravagant life where they're out, they're partying, they're doing. Um, if the NBA players leave, their compensation is going to be reduced. It's a problem now. Look, a lot of these guys are making that much money. Maybe it won't matter. Maybe it won't matter. And don't just take my word for it. Kyrie Irving. Yeah, Kyrie Irving, who's not going to play in the bubble, by the way. He's not playing because he's injured. Um, there were rumors that Kyrie expressed such concerns about all this that he said, well, maybe we should just start our own league. Now, a lot of those rumors have been refuted, but at least it's out there on the table that these players are not just 100% okay with the situation at hand. They're not just okay with what is going on and what the NBA is throwing out there. All right. How does this all affect us? Well, it affects us in certain ways. First of all, the younger guys are probably going to have a hard time staying in the building, probably going to have a hard time with the restrictions at hand. And I think the early on, the first couple of weeks, it shouldn't be a problem. It's after that. Okay. After three, four weeks, um, you know, your team is up 3-0 in the first round of the playoffs. You're the Milwaukee Bucks, and, and you're sitting there, you're going, okay, this is ridiculous. Or you win the Eastern Conference Championship, yet you can't go out for a beer that night. I mean, there are certain situations where this might come into contention. What I look at from a betting perspective is something nobody else has talked about. And I want to bring this to a betting perspective mindset. Where there's smoke, there's fire. And I don't want to be the nefarious guy, but look, I'm a realist. And I'm not telling you one way or the other uh, how my personal feelings on it. I'm telling us telling you guys make sure that we as a collective group can make some money on this, okay? There's no drug testing in the NBA anymore. They, they announced that quite a few weeks ago. No drug testing. Now you can say, oh, uh, you know, these players are going to smoke weed and my, potentially, not even potentially, yeah, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. I'm very unconcerned about that. I don't think anybody out there, well, very few people out there are stupid enough to go smoke weed right before you're going to go play an NBA game. I think it would be in between games. Uh, can it be a problem? Sure, it could be a problem. I'm not going down that path. But when you hear no drug testing in the NBA, I worry much less about weed than I do about steroids. There's players that were at the forefront here. There are players that were knowing about the steroid issue two weeks ago. There's players out there whose careers have been shadowed by the potential idea of, play, of, of steroids. There's not a person that can be honest out there that hasn't heard the rumors that LeBron James was on steroids. Okay? I don't know if it's true or not. But we certainly know the rumors are out there. And if you are in the mindset of believing that LeBron James at one time took steroids, 
can you easily come to the connection that LeBron James, who's trying to pad his resume for a Hall of Fame career to become the greatest player of all time, is now on the Lakers with a brand new contract as his career is winding down? There's nobody looking over his shoulder to say, you can't take steroids? Is it a far leap to say that maybe he would? Besides LeBron, think about some other players. Think about a guy, uh, you know, out there that maybe like a Dwight Howard type, right? I'm just throwing out types of guys, types of players that are at the end of their career. No one's testing me. No one's looking at me. How do I get that advantage? Look at some of these teams. Watch their body shape. And I think that that is something we really have to take an eye on and take a look at. These players knew, they knew for the last two months that they were not going to be in an NBA facility until basically August. They knew, I'm going to be home with nothing to do. I got nothing to do. These guys aren't around the house doing projects and not putting a backsplash in their apartments, okay? This is not happening, guys. So they are physical specimens that are going to take care of their body. I think every NBA player is going to be in the best shape of their career anyway because they're going to be working out all the time, okay? That's what they should have been doing at home. Maybe not working out from a basketball standpoint. They're going to be working out, pumping iron, doing their their due diligence to come back and be the best that they can be. Now, all of a sudden, somebody tells you, Big Brother isn't watching? Ah, well, you know what? Maybe maybe I wouldn't have taken that, that shake that my trainer continued to give me because I wasn't exactly sure what was in it. Now, I'll drink that shake. Maybe, maybe we're not going as far as putting a needle into their veins. Maybe we're not going full-on Manny Ramirez here, right? But, guys, listen, it's a, it's a concern. If I turn around and I see these guys jacked up the way I expect to see them, is, there, is it unfair to say that they could take advantage of the system with no drug testing? I don't think that's unfair at all. I don't expect this to be a large number of players. I don't. I, I think though a large number of players, given the option, would say no. But I feel like the NBA has now given them the option. I don't think that this is something that is a fleeting moment. This is a potential devastating problem. It's a potential problem. I will be very, very anxious to take a look at the problem. And to really, really glare in and say, okay, is this a legitimate problem or is this something that, uh, you know, one or two players are having an, an issue with? I will say this. Look, we're in the betting business, right? If you could find odds, which you can't, if I can find odds on this, I will say this. In five years' time, we will absolutely know of a star premier player that took steroids during this season. Someone will come out, something will spill, something will leak, and it will come out. It's just a matter of who that player is. All right, real quick, the last thing I'm going to end off with here is the hotels. And this does actually matter. In the Grand Destino, the Bucks, Lakers, Raptors, Clippers, Celtics, Nuggets, Jazz, and Heat in the Grand Floridian. The Thunder, 76ers, Rockets, Pacers, Mavericks, Nets, Grizzlies, Magic in the Yacht Club, Blazers, Kings, Pelicans, Spurs, Suns, and Wizards. And, you know, you ask me, well, why does that matter? It does matter. It matters that the NBA put teams like the Lakers and Clippers on the sa in the same hotel on the same, you know, premises rather than split them up.
Okay, these guys are going to be next to each other. They're going to be at each other's games. They're going to be quarantined with just a few select people together. The tensions can really rise in this spot. The Bucks are with them. Clearly, the NBA believes that this is going to be fine, that this is not going to be a problem. You know, you heard what I just said a, a moment ago about five years from now. I can't wait for the uh, the ESPN 30 for 30 on what happened inside the Disney hotels during the quarantine. Fist fights, potentially, right? Arguments, screaming, yelling, yeah, potentially. They sneaking girls in, oh, that's got to happen, right? I mean, that's definitely going to happen. It's going to be really interesting to, to hear what goes down inside these Disney hotels. And then you put teams like the Lakers and Clippers in the same complex? Yeah, I think it's going to lead to some good basketball. I will say that. I think it's going to lead to some good basketball. But the outside noise sometimes becomes the inside noise. So it's something to pay attention to. All right, guys. Now let's go back to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay. All right. Bet to the future. All right. Let's talk about the NBA, and we'll stick it right here with the NBA. The Superbook. By the way, reopened this week. A great fanfare. There was lines outside, lines outside the Superbook. But the Superbook has announced the odds for the eighth seed in the NBA players. Now, they announced the odds uh, on June 6th. Now, these are the new odds. And we do have some line movement. So pay attention to where the line movement is. We'll go to the West first. The Mavericks were 1,000 to 1. They're 500 to 1. That is to you know make the eighth seed. Spurs, 200 to 1. Still the same. Spur, uh, I'm sorry, the Suns. Spurs went from 25 to 1 to 50 to 1. Kings 12 to 1 across the board. It still hasn't moved. Blazers were 9 to 2, now 4 to 1. Pelicans 11 to 4. That stays consistent, as does the Grizzlies 5 to 6. So people just love it on the Grizzlies. I'll tell you the truth, man. That Mavs team is a dangerous team. I'm just throwing it out there. They're dangerous. The East has more movement. Let's talk about the East. Now, the Wizards stayed 25 to 1 across the board. The Mavs have gone from 13 to 10 to now to even, and the Nets have gone from 5 to 7 to 10 to 11. I don't see the love on the Nets. Uh, you know, I, I know that people were excited about them. I don't see the love on the Nets whatsoever. And by the way, read your tickets. All teams must play at least eight regular season games in Orlando. So that is on the bottom of the ticket. I always get asked, uh, you know, what do I take a, a look at? Well, that is something that you absolutely have to take a look at. All right, guys, let's go into... A little NFL news and we have a little NFL news that uh, it, it gets a little weird it gets a little weird because the surface area conversation is not the conversation that we need to be having right now where we stand none of this makes any sense and the news is is that Jamal Adams wants to be traded the Jamal Adams trade request is being reported across the NFL Jamal Adams has no basis to ask for a trade request and this gets back into the position by the way i'll go into the trade in a minute but let, let's talk about it from a betting standpoint this goes back into the position that i've had and i've long held and when we did our futures potentials and I, we talked about teams early on and we will go back into that later on this summer you will see how down i am on this jets team and it goes back to all of this i'm down on this jets team Although I like Sam Darnold. I'm down on this Jets team, although I like Le'Veon Bell. I'm down on this Jets team, although I like 
Joe Douglas. I'm down on this Jets team, although I like Williams, the defensive coordinator. I'm down on this Jets team, although I like the defense. I'm down on this Jets team because Adam Gase is a mess. I don't care about let's make fun of his eyes or whatever, okay? He is a bad head coach. He is a bad coach. He destroys careers. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he's a pompous ass. But we go back to Jamal Adams here. And it comes full circle because Jamal Adams has nothing. He's got no platform to stand on. He's got none. He's got no platform to stand on here. But this is Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas told Jamal Adams, take me for my word. We're going to make you a jet for life. Okay, because we knew the Jamal Adams wanting to be traded conversation. Well, that's been taking place since before the draft. Joe Douglas decided not to trade him. Now, a lot of teams are going to show interest. Of course they are. Of course they are. The guy's the premier, uh, one of the premier safeties in the NFL. I mean, you look at Jamal Adams and you know who he is and you know how good this guy can be. But nobody's been extended. Who's been extended? Hey, has Deshaun Watson been extended? Oh, well, he came in the same time as Jamal Adams. Has, has Patrick Mahomes been extended? No. The New York Jets hold Jamal Adams for two more years, and then, oh, by the way, they can franchise Jamal Adams. Are we kidding right now? So they are able to retain him, and, oh, by the way, they also have a franchise tag. Jamal Adams is a New York Jets property for the next three years if the Jets want him to be. Now, this goes more into the idea that the New York Jets are a dysfunctional organization. And I thought Joe Douglas could bring a little bit of calm to that. Uh, but what, what do you do if you're Joe Douglas right now? What do you do? And I go back to the Adam Gay situation. Jamal Adams, there has to be some kind of disconnect that he doesn't want to play for this coach. He doesn't want to play for this franchise. He put out his list of trade teams. Oh, because somehow or another he thinks he has those, that power. He put out his list of trade teams, and it is the Cowboys' potential Super Bowl contender. It is the Eagles' potential Super Bowl contender. It is the Ravens and, uh, you know, the Tampa Bay Bucks, Houston. You, you look at the teams, and of course he wants to go to these teams. Of course he wants to go to these teams. And the, he is needed in a lot of these spots. Uh, you look at where he could go. I mean, Dallas would be a beautiful landing spot if you're a Cowboys fan. You're a Cowboys fan. Jamal Adams on the Cowboys. That will move the needle. So do I think that Jamal Adams is traded here? I don't think he is. I think Joe Douglas is basically going to ignore the Jamal Adams trade request for a little while here. I truthfully don't believe that it's going to come to a head. Ravens, Cowboys, Texans, Chiefs, Eagles, Niners, Seahawks. That's the teams that he kind of threw out there. If he goes to any one of these teams, their odds has to go up. The Jets' odds are going to go down. But I'll tell you what, I think this speaks to where our odds should be on the Jets anyway. The Jets won four games last year that they really kind of shouldn't have won. They wound up putting together a decent record. Don't let that record scare you off of betting the under. I like the under and everything for the Jets this year. I like Sam Darnold a lot. I'm not telling you that I don't. I don't think he's got weapons on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think Adam Gase knows how to use those weapons. And if you took Jamal Adams, or at least even a disgruntled Jamal, Jamal Adams, and you take him away, well, that's a problem here. He goes to the Ravens. They really, 
really become scary. And now, look, they are scary as it is. You might call them the Super Bowl favorite. They are scary as it is. You put Jamal Adams there, whoo, wow, does that jump up there. Cowboys, I already talked about it. I have the Eagles winning that division. Jamal Adams goes to the Cowboys, I'll flip-flop that. The Texans... You know, the Texans need need a lot more than just Jamal Adams to be a serious contender, but can they win the division? Yeah. Yeah, they're probably the division leaders in that spot. The Chiefs, well, I mean, the rich get richer, right? Rich just get richer, and they get the best safety in the league. Eagles, the same thing with the Cowboys. Look, I, I think the Eagles need, could use him desperately. The Niners, could you imagine that defense with Jamal Adams? And then the Seahawks is a good fit for him. They know how to use that big bruising safety. Uh, we know that Chancellor was there forever and Earl Thomas was there forever. So, yeah, I look at Jamal Adams and I say, this is an increasingly interesting conversation to have. Watch where this goes. If he leaves the Jets, I feel so much better about me selling on the Jets and taking the under. If he stays with the Jets, guys... Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a, a harmonious year. I think the Jets are just a bet against all year long. They won close games they shouldn't have won. Adam Gase has lost the locker room. People are not happy. Now he hasn't had time to you know, help out the, the new guys on the team. I, I, I just see a mess with the Jets. I'll go, okay, here's what I'll do right now. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, I, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to tell you right now. I think that the Jets are the last place team there. Right? I, I think that the Miami Dolphins are going to win more games than the New York Jets this year. I think Buffalo and New England certainly will. But I think the Miami Dolphins are going to win more. And you look at the Jets to finish in last place. Well, that's going to be a hard prop bet to find. But where are the Jets wins? Seven. Guys, I think you got to go with the under. I don't think they're an 8-8 eight eight team. They're not a 500 team. Can they win seven and you push? Sure. But the line is set at 7. I'm going under all day long, and I would not be surprised if you have the New York Jets picking in the top five of the draft next year. This could completely unravel, and this could unravel very, very, very fast. Very fast. Um, just a couple other things that, that I want to throw out there. TJ Hawkinson, the big tight end for the Detroit Lions. He is not 100% yet. This is a kind of a big thing for you fantasy guys. I know Hawkinson was going to be this big guy. I know nobody's really on Detroit, but it's something to keep in mind what they're talking about with him. Uh, Debo Samuel suffered a broken left foot during a team workout on Tuesday. He's going to be sidelined three to four months. This is massive. Massive news. Debo Samuel is somebody that was up and coming. Was he the number one for the San Francisco team? Yeah, very potentially he was. Now they have first-round pick Ayuk. They have Kendrick Bourne, Jalen Hurd, uh, Dante Pettis, Richie James, Trent Taylor. If there's one position that the 49ers could not really afford to get injured, that was wide receiver, and Debo Samuel was their number one guy. I think that the Niners have to be in the market. I think they have to be in the market for a trade here. Debo Samuel being down three to four months is massive. It could even be to a point where they put him on the reserve PUP list to start the season. That means he can't play for the first six games. San Francisco's odds just took a massive hit as far as I'm concerned. San Fran is the Super Bowl loser. We know how the Super Bowl loser uh, reacts usually the next season. We are very aware of how the Super Bowl losers react. And it's never really good, okay? San Francisco is a team that is well-coached. They are stacked. 
But you take away a big weapon like Debo Samuel, this is going to hurt them. They're not playing a first-play schedule. They now have a target on their back. This is going to hurt them. This is a big, big, big injury and a move that I think has to be made. I think they have to. I mean, just absolutely have to go out and go get a, a number one wide receiver. I, I don't know even know if Debo was the number one wide receiver as is, but he was their number one wide receiver. So imagine the depth chart, which brings me to the next piece of information. Josh Gordon. Yeah, that Josh Gordon has just reapplied for reinstatement. I don't know if they could bring him back, right? He's been training in Seattle. Apparently, he looks good, but we know the same stories all the time. Training in Seattle looks good. He wants to be uh, reinstated. The new CBA regarding marijuana could be massive for Gordon. The new CBA regarding marijuana is very, very, very laxed, okay? It's very laxed. He's still 29 years old. He very well could be back with the Seahawks, but doesn't Josh Gordon on San Francisco make a ton of sense? A ton of sense. And I'm not going down the Jerry Garcia being in San Francisco smoking weed aspect. I'm just saying for a fit, you need him. This is an absolute no-brainer to me. An absolute no-brainer to me from what we're looking at. And then finally, Kareem Hunt. Uh, apparently he's looking really good. I, I'm no fan of Kareem Hunt in any way, shape, or form, but he has been involved in a lot of the team's virtual passing meetings. He's getting a lot of attention. He saw 44 targets on eight, which remember he had a shortened season, so he would have been on 88 target pace. That is pretty massive. Now, from a fantasy perspective, and I like to give you guys that fantasy outlook from a fantasy perspective. You look at what we're talking about in fantasy and you go, yeah, Kareem Hunt, you can move him up the list. But if you move somebody up the list, somebody's going to get hurt. And Nick Chubb is a player that could really be overdrafted this year. Nick Chubb is a player that I think he's got all the potential in the world. I think Nick Chubb should be a top five pick. But I think Nick Chubb is a player that can be massively overdrafted. Massively overdrafted. So that's something... Uh, to take a look at as far as when you're you're starting to look at. And I, I see it. I see how many people are on their mock draft boards and whatnot. So it's something to take a look at. Maybe maybe you pass on Nick Chubb. Just, uh, just taking a look. All right. Last couple of minutes, I got to get to, I guess, the elephant in the room, and the elephant in the room is Colin Kaepernick. Okay? There are some odds on Colin Kaepernick. And let's talk about some of the odds on Colin Kaepernick. First of all, there are rumors that Colin Kaepernick may be coming back, that he may play. I, I don't know if I buy them. I really don't. I don't know if I could buy into the Colin Kaepernick playing idea. But I will say this. There are a few select teams in the NFL that could afford to put Colin Kaepernick on the field. Now, he hasn't played in six years well, okay? Colin Kaepernick... Is it going to be a major distraction? He's going to be a headache. You don't want to put him with a young guy looking over his shoulder. You need him with an experienced veteran player. So you look at a, a team like maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers would make sense, but they just got Winston. A team like Tampa Bay with Tom Brady makes a lot of sense, sure, but it's a different kind of offense. I don't expect that to be a fit. You go down the list of which teams potentially could put him on their squad and basically I have come up with about four teams maybe five 
I look at the odds, and I have odds on about five of those teams. The Chiefs are five to one odds. The Ravens two to one. The Seahawks five to two. The Texans four to one. And the team that they left off, I think he could work on the Lions. Right, the Lions. Stafford's already the established guy there. Doesn't have to look over his shoulder, but that's the long shot. So you have the Texans, the Seahawks, the Ravens, and the Chiefs. What do all four of these teams have in common? They all have starting quarterbacks that do not have to worry about Colin Kaepernick taking their job. None of them. They all have starting quarterbacks that are among the top four or five quarterbacks in the NFL. They all have starting quarterbacks that there's no fan out there that will be calling for a replacement if they threw an interception. None of them. Right now, if you're asking me the best quarterbacks in the NFL, my list begins with Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. They're in the top five, top ten at least. They are secure quarterbacks. In good positions. Now, I don't think the Chiefs are 5-1 to one is a good pick because why mess with chemistry? You just won the Super Bowl. You don't want to mess with the chemistry there. I, I, he will be a distraction. No matter how much you don't want him to be, he will be a distraction. That's just who he is. Okay, that's what he brings with it. The Seahawks at 5-2. to two. All right, that could, that could make some sense. He's all the way up in the Pacific Northwest. But wait a minute. Are they going to really bring this in when they have this stupid Chaz autonomous zone going on in Seattle? Do you really want to bring that element into a place like Seattle that is so such a, a uh, powder keg? I don't think they do. How about Baltimore at two to one? Baltimore's two to one. The odds. Yeah, Lamar Jackson is very secure. He plays kind of the same situation, but you got RG three there. What are you going to have three kind of players on the team like that? Baltimore is the favorite for a reason. I don't see it happening. The team that I would think that would sign Colin Kaepernick, and I don't think anybody does, but the team that would sign him, I think the Texans at 4-1 to odds is the best odds to do this. Uh, Deshaun Watson is somebody that is very secure in his role, but he's also a guy that gets injured a little bit. Houston has already come out. The head coach said, I'm going to kneel. The owner has basically said okay that, that's fine jj watt was called out on twitter and someone said well jj watt won't kneel and jj watt basically said don't speak for me you know you don't know what i would do and and i defend what they're doing houston would be a good spot at four to one for colin kaepernick now again from a strict football perspective i don't think anybody should sign him but the odds are out there and if you believe that he's going to get signed you can make some money on this weird little prop play i don't think anybody should sign him uh, i think it's a, a disaster waiting to happen i think he is poison to any team that you put him on but if he is going to go to a team i came up with my list of five and the odds are out there the best four odds are out there for those four teams if he's going to be chosen, put him on a team with a very secure starting quarterback. Very secure starting quarterback. Put him on a team with a quarterback that can make 15 mistakes and no one's calling for Colin Kaepernick. The last thing you want is a young player or an older player, a guy at the end of his rope or the guy at just starting his new career to look over his shoulder at fans screaming for the 
Colin Kaepernick experience. Not Colin Kaepernick, the player, but the Colin Kaepernick experience. You don't want that. It's poison to a team. Colin Kaepernick is poison to a locker room. No matter how his intentions may be, ladies and gentlemen, you don't want to put that in your locker room unless you are 100% secure in your spot. There's about four teams in the NFL that are that situation. So those are the odds I want to throw it out there. All right, guys, I hope we hear something better about baseball next week. Next time we talk, I want a date established. You hear me, Manfred? You hear me, Tony Clark? We want baseball in any capacity that you can give it to us. I'm Tom Bard for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be a part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARDEN. That's 1-855-442-7836. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.